Welcome everyone to the audio portion of the Ancestral Elements newsletter. This is going to be a four-part audio series that's going to roll out winter, spring, summer, and fall. This is meant to go with the seasons and the changes that the seasons can bring, not only environmentally, but also within yourself. And we're going to look at things through human nutrition, ancestral knowledge, wellness, and lifestyle to bring you a comprehensive view of the natural world around you and how you can interact with it on a daily basis. I'm calling this audio series Sitting Fireside. The reason being that the fire has always been a central gathering place throughout human history. It was a place where people would tell stories and pass down wisdom from generation to generation. So in this first episode, we're going to look at the element of fire. We're going to look at it in practical usage and in symbolic use. It's also fitting for this winter season because this is when you need the element to fire the most. You need it to balance out this cold and wet element of winter. So here is episode one of Sitting Fireside. Right. So when talking about fire, it really is one of the most fundamental elements of nature. I mean, if you think about it, it's all around you from propane burners to even the lights in your house have become a proxy for fire. So going way back 300,000 years to the beginning of Homo sapiens, their view of fire was central to their existence. It not only provided a aspect of warmth that they needed to get themselves through the cold winters, but it also was a central meeting place. It was a place to tell stories, to cook, to, to celebrate, to sing, to dance. It also provided light for darkness, which meant security from predators, from neighboring tribes. So you've got this town square kind of effect going on where all members of the community would gather around this fire. This really was the place of storytelling, of community, of education. And without this long history of fire, the entire human species just wouldn't be who we are today. So in creating fire, you need friction, all fire needs friction to create an initial spark. So when producing fire, traditionally it was used with a bow drill or a hand drill, which needs an enormous amount of friction to create that initial spark. And when applying that analogy to my own life, when I've experienced major hardships or heartbreak, moments of extreme friction, it's more often than not caused a catalyst for growth, just like a spark does with fire. And you hear that analogy time and time again, you know, he or she is so fiery, they're fired up, right? I've got a fire burning deep inside me. It creates action. It creates movement in somebody's life. 
in the best of circumstances anyway. Fire also traditionally was used as a cleansing tool. Native Americans would burn vast areas of land to create new growth in the spring. It was used as a tool. We see that today with major forest fires happening every year, more and more, especially on the West Coast. But with destruction comes regeneration. And it can be the same in your life. A lot of times when you are feeling like everything is burning down around you, something new is actually being created from that. In traditional Chinese medicine, they use elements of nature to symbolize different parts of the body. So for example, fire in traditional Chinese medicine resides in the heart. It's an element of the heart. And what feeds that fire is wood. So that's the fuel for the fire, right? It, it's the same thing in nature. So you have this wood aspect um, feeding growth, right? It feeds the fire, so the fire grows. If you look at that element of wood, wood, when you burn it, essentially it's just captured sunlight. So literally wood goes through the photosynthesis process and captures sunlight. It stores sunlight as energy. So you burn that wood and it releases energy as infrared light, which then our bodies take in. And it does everything from hormone production to giving us cellular energy. And there's been numerous studies done on what infrared light does. You know, I mean, infrared saunas are now in pretty common use, and there's a reason for that. So sticking with traditional Chinese medicine theory, fire represents the sun. And if you're going to look at the sun as a nutrient, which you should, the sun produces UV light that essentially is a hormone for our body. It creates a vitamin D, which vitamin D isn't actually a vitamin, it's a hormone. And it's a hormone that controls 5%, up to 5% of our entire genome, which is huge. And we now know that vitamin D plays a very, very key role in regulating the immune system. And one of the first responses for the immune system when you're sick is to develop a fever. And it essentially provides a cleansing for the body. It starts ramping up the immune function. So this heat starts killing off viruses or bacteria so that your body has a chance to fight off the sickness. And that's why if you break a fever too early, a lot of times you can remain sicker for a longer period of time. Whereas if you would have let the fever run its course and break naturally, you would have been a lot better off and probably gotten over the sickness a lot sooner. That being said, you never want an unregulated, unmanaged fever because that can cause major damage. So just like an unregulated, unmanaged fire on the landscape that can cause major damage as we've seen, you don't want that same process to happen in your body. So really what we're talking about here is balance. You want to balance that fire that heat you want to balance it with cold and if you do that that also stimulates 
the lymphatic system, which is another immune response. So this regulation between hot and cold has been done since the beginning of human history. Traditionally, sweat lodges or saunas were used to provide extreme heat for the body. And then following that, they would typically cold plunge or dive in the snow for an extreme cold effect. And often you want to regulate between hot and cold. And that is honestly one of the best ways to heighten the immune system during the winter time. So for a practical lifestyle tip here, you should in the winter time always be engaging in some type of cold, whether it's a couple minute cold shower or a contrast between a sauna and a cold plunge. That should definitely be a goal if you wanna keep healthy through the winter months. And you need that because the sun is so far away, the UV light in the wintertime doesn't reach. And so without proper UV light, you can't break down viruses or bacteria within the cell. That's what UV light does is it starts, it's another cleanser, right? That fire literally is a cleanser. That infrared light is a cleanser for the body, for the cells. That's why you hear Anytime you want to process water and make it safe to drink, you can hit it with a UV light and it kills that bacteria or viruses that are in the water. The same thing happens in your body, but with UV light being at its lowest point in the winter, you don't get that. And then vitamin D production is basically stopped. So the more that you can do this hot and cold contrast, the better off the entire immune system is going to stay through the winter months. And that's honestly why a lot of people get sick in the wintertime. It's not just the fact that people are indoors congregating. It's the fact that people aren't getting sunlight and their vitamin D levels start to really drop. And a lot of times it's because people haven't stored up good vitamin D levels for the summer months. People aren't getting full body sun exposure for long periods of time during the summer. It's about 95% of cells in the human body that have a vitamin D receptor. So essentially every single cell is going to accept vitamin D, which again is not a vitamin at all. It's actually a hormone. This is why it has such a profound effect on the entire genome. Because you need that sunlight. You need that stored sunlight in your body, just like trees store sunlight for captured energy. You need to store that sunlight in your body to make it through the winter months. And if you're clothed running around in summer all the time, it's just not going to happen. You're not going to have the reserves to get you through. You could supplement with a vitamin D supplement, but it's not the same as natural sunlight in the summertime. So this idea of sun and fire cleansing the body, cleansing the landscape is a very real thing. So the fact that we are living so much of our lives indoors and in windows that block UV light is a pretty impactful thing and something that hasn't ever been done before until very recent in human history. And we're starting to see some pretty profound effects of limited UV light and limited vitamin D levels in the human population. So really more and more you're dealing with a combination of ultraviolet light and infrared light that basically is lacking. 
and the immune system responds accordingly to that. It starts limiting hormone production specifically. And major things physiologically can happen because of that. It's been shown that just regular use of infrared light and getting it fully into the body can reduce depression up to almost 70%. So, I mean, it really just, it comes down to the fact that we've forgot and we've divorced ourselves from these natural processes because we've spent so much time in essentially an unnatural landscape and a man-made landscape. We're not on the land anymore. We're not working on the land. We're spending our time indoors in front of artificial light, artificial blue light, which you would only get usually during midday because the sky is red at sun up and sun down getting infrared light. You're not sitting in front of fires anymore getting infrared light. You're sitting in front of screens, in front of TVs, computers, cell phones, getting blasted with blue light all day long, every day. And just like infrared light can have a negative effect and you've, ultraviolet light can have a negative effect on the human body. If you have too much blue light at a constant basis, it will have a negative net effect on the human body. This is all about balance. You don't want to get too much ultraviolet light because you'll get sunburned and possibly get skin cancer, right? You get this changing of the cellular production inside the skin because it's too much for the body to handle at once. And it seems if a constant blue light seems to have profound effect on hormone levels, specifically cortisol, which cortisol is associated with a stress hormone. So when you have heightened cortisol, it means you're in a stressed state. So light, artificial or natural, needs to be in balance. It needs to be in rhythm and in sync with the earth. Otherwise, you're going to end up with major disruption in your hormone production that will ultimately lead to a compromised immune system and it will affect the way you feel. And it's always quite possible that you could end up with some long-term damage after years of hormone disruption. And if you're worried about over-sun exposure during the summer months, remember that eating dark pigment fruit such as blackberries and blueberries provide UV protection for the body. They develop because of the ultraviolet light in the atmosphere. Otherwise, those pigments wouldn't ever develop. So it's literally sunblock that you can eat. So the more that you ingest of those rich, dark pigmented foods, especially fruits, the more that your skin and the DNA is gonna be buffered from that UV reaction that takes place. And the more vitamin D you'll actually end up absorbing as a result of it. I mean, and that's a very different approach than lathering sunscreen up on your body. Sunscreen actually blocks ultraviolet light and therefore the absorption of vitamin D. So if you bring sunscreen constantly, then you're not gonna really be absor absorbing a ton of vitamin D or possibly none at all. And you have to build up slow. You can't just go out and get fried and get sunburned because that ends up being 
damaging to the DNA of your body. So you have to take things really slow. You want to develop a nice slow tan through the spring and summer months so you can build up into the late summer and have adequate protection all the way through. And as the heat of summer winds down, people tend to draw in a little bit. We spend more time indoors, the weather gets colder, and it's a time historically and ancestrally that people spent in reflection. Um, they did a lot of ceremonies during this time. It was a time to kind of go into the heart, go into that um, element of fire. And you would do that through the winter um, in order to prepare for spring. Because preparing for spring, you get regrowth. It's a time to get energized. Spring is a time to create. Spring is a time to get back out on the landscape and forage fresh food, fresh greens. It's a time to bring the body out of a semi kind of dormant state into a thriving and more energetic state. And once summer comes, you're kind of in full swing. You're in full kind of energetic availability. And again, we're back to kind of a waxing and waning aspect to our bodies and to nature, right? Everything is for a time and a season. There's a time to be productive. There's a time to kind of draw within. And the fire element, whether it's sun or into the heart, is a time to kind of create. That's what that element is really all about. Well, that will about wrap it up. If you've gotten this far, then thank you so much for listening. I appreciate it, and there's more to come.